On today's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, we are asking you to broaden your mind, expand your horizons, because a lot of folks that you want won't be there. I'm going to talk to Brad Rowland from Locked On Hawks. He covers all things Atlanta Hawks for us here on the network and some expectations and where can Kyle Pitts get better for this season. All of that, it's Locked On Sports here, Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome to another edition of Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. We ask you to head over to YouTube, youtube.com, put in Locked On Sports Atlanta in the browser. Hit that subscribe button when you find it. Leave us a comment. Tell us what you think about the show. By the way, big thank you to everybody. We are up and over 1,000 subscribers. We're pushing toward 1,050 subscribers already and barely a month up. And we really appreciate everybody being a part of the community. Thank you so much for letting this thing grow and just keep on telling. Listen, I I always say, tell 10,000 of your friends, right? Let's get a whole bunch of subscribers. Thanks for being part of the network. And of course, follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. We've been talking a lot about the Hawks offseason. And coming up, we'll talk to Brad Rowland, who is our host for Locked on Hawks, and get his thoughts about where we are. But the thing I want to, the message I want to send to all of you is, I need you to broaden your horizons and I need you to think outside the box. Okay. For, for a couple of things. So we've talked about, I really do think that the Hawks are going to make a big time run at a real star in the league. Okay. That they're going to shoot their shot at somebody who is a top tier type of player. Maybe not the best player in the NBA. I mean, Giannis isn't available. Joker's not available, but you understand what I mean. A, a guy who is a high level player. Okay, because that's what this team needs. This team needs another star. It's a star-driven league. You have to accumulate stars. You spend money accumulating stars, but you have to have those guys. Fair, unfair, whatever like that. Again, you can talk about the Pistons in that one single solitary year where they didn't have multiple superstars. Outside of that, you got to have stars in this league. And I think the Hawks are going to be in the business, trade, free agency, things like that. But it keeps coming back to the conversation of who, right? I'll give you an example. Yesterday on my Twitter feed, um, you know, a couple of guys were going back and forth, whatever, like that. After I talked about Donovan Mitchell being a no-brainer, I don't want Ben Simmons. I want to. I'm open to like if we want to make a run at Kyrie. But for instance, the guy had three names on his list. Okay, he said, "Well, I'd really like Zach Levine." Okay, I've explained this 20 times. Why is Zach Levine leaving Chicago? Number one, the Bulls have the bird rights to him. They can pay him way more than any other team in the league. He's an emerging superstar who's now part of a good organization that has turned the corner. Why would he leave? There's no reason for him to leave Chicago even as an unrestricted free agent. He'll most likely sign. Then he had on there Bradley Beal. Okay, the the Beal's got an opt-in. The Wizards have not the Wizards, by and large, are not trading him. He wants to be there. They haven't had a desire to trade him. Again, it sounds good, but he's not going anywhere. 
And then the other name he put on there was DeAndre Ayton. Okay, Ayton's a restricted free agent. We went through this with John Collins last year. Why would DeAndre, first of all, why would the Suns want DeAndre Ayton to leave? He's part of their core of Chris Paul and Booker. They were in the finals last year and about to, you know, make another run and maybe even win the NBA championship this year. And Paul's only going to play two or three more years. Why would they let Aiton go? And he's a restricted free agent. They can match anything that somebody throws out there. So, again, I, I understand that it sounds good to throw a whole bunch of names in. And people were like, oh, well, if we get Donovan Mitchell, we're not going to be good to... Okay, but if he's available, you have to make that run at him. There, there's everybody wants the perfect player, right? Uh, we, we we need to be better defensively and a score. Okay, well, Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan aren't in the league anymore, folks. Those guys aren't running around. Giannis isn't available, right? Joker's not available. Though those those guys, you know, the, those guys aren't going. They're not available. You you have to work within the realm of what could be possible? Why do I bring up, for instance, like Kyra? Why did I bring that up? Because the Nets lost a whole bunch of money. They still have Ben Simmons, who they're probably going to not be able to move, who's got $100 million still owed to him. You're stuck and tied with him. Irving's in an opt-in. If you're going to try to get your franchise back on track, it may make sense that the Nets don't decide to extend Kyrie. Right. I mean, there are reasons for this. Donovan Mitchell most likely wants to stay in Utah. And, and I'm telling you, he probably will. But there are some rumors out there that he may not be happy. And that's sort of what it takes is to get one of those guys open and available. A team doesn't want you or you don't want to be with the team. And they're dynamic. You know, even James Harden, part of the trade with Harden was that he had to agree to his opt-in year. Well, hell, that's $47 million. Whether you like Harden or not, it's a ton of cash, but that was part of the deal. So worst case is Philly has him, or at least he's got the opt-in and he's not a free agent and they could trade him. But again, all indications are they want him to stay there. My point is you have to expand your horizons. We we get in this mythology and this fairy tale land about, well, we'll just go get Zach Levine. Well, the the reality is he's not leaving Chicago by and large. Like, why would he leave the Bulls now? And why would the Bulls let him walk? We could give him more money than anybody. Why would he leave? And that's the that's the thing I need you to understand is when we start talking about free agents and trades and this, that, and the other, what's real and what's not real. You know, I don't, you know, first of all, I don't want Ben Simmons. And I've said that, you know, on here, I'm not making a trade for him. I'm sure the Nets would gladly probably trade him if somebody wants him. I don't want him. It doesn't fit what I need to do. I don't need an Instagram model diva on my roster that doesn't know if he wants to play or not and decided to wait until the off season to have back surgery when he could have done this six months ago. I mean, no. Yeah, that would be a guy that the Nets would probably the Nets would probably much rather trade uh Ben Simmons and keep Irving. But I want you to expand your horizons about who is and who is not a realistic target. There's a lot of names that you think are going to be available that at the end of the day aren't. 
And you have to be willing to roll the dice because you're not going to find that perfect player. You're not finding a guy that fits everything that you want or else, you know, again, those guys are, those guys are with their teams, right? Giannis is a, is a Milwaukee buck because he got the super max deal, right? And earned $50 million a year. One leave in Milwaukee because they could give him more than anybody. So keep an open mind. There's going to be some names that you don't like. And a lot of the names that you do like aren't even really on the marketplace. All right. When uh, we come back, we're going to talk to Brad Rowland from Locked on Hawks, get his thoughts about where we are with the offseason, Tony Wrestler's mindset. We got a lot of stuff to dive into with Brad Rowland. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked on Sports Atlanta. Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. We ask you to head over to YouTube.com, put in Locked On Sports in the browser, subscribe, over a 1,000 subscribers. We thank you so much for being a part of our ever-growing community. You can follow me on Twitter at JMCH316. We welcome into the program the guy who does Locked On Hawks for us. He is the host. Brad Rowland is joining us here, and you can follow him on Twitter at BT Rowland and Brad Thanks so much for spending a few minutes with me. And, you know, I want to see if you're like me. I, I really believe at this point that Travis Schlank, and especially given the comments of Tony Wrestler and him and everything like that, this is going to be big, bold, bright colors. This is not mid-tier guys. I think they're going to add a star, superstar, whatever you want to call it. How do you think this offseason is going to go? Yeah, I think they'll probably try, to your point, to make a bold move. And I think that um... – listening to what kind of everyone had to say after the season was over. No one was thrilled with where they were. No one was, uh, what's ready, for, what's, let's say, ready for increments. They're all trying to kind of uh, take a swing at this point in time. And uh, it all kind of depends on the NBA, as you know, like who's available in terms of taking a star swing. Because um, most of the time, not always, but most of the time, it kind of requires a player that is on that star level to kind of one out of where they are right now to actually be available. Right. Um, you, you can you can bowl a team over, of course, with a crazy offer. For, for the most part, though, it kind of uh, works with the you know player wanting to be out. But I do think that somewhere along the way, he's going to do something bold. It may not be a, a star like that everybody knows, but certainly it's going to be a, a high level target that they're going to try to go out and get. And uh, my, my party line has been, that I'd be surprised if they kind of run it back. I think they're going to make a big move on some level. Uh, don't ask me who that player is going to be necessarily, because it's, that's the hardest part about this. It's like trying to figure out who it is, but I think it's going to happen on, on some level. Well, I'm glad you said that because I think this is one of the problems that fans have gotten into, you know, the names are easy. Well, what about Zach Levine? What about DeAndre Ayton? What about this guy? What about Bradley Beal? Okay, there's a more, way more likely chance none of those guys are going to go anywhere. I mean, we're already hearing that Beal's going to stay in Washington. That why would why would the Bulls give up on Zach Levine right now when they just turned the corners of franchise and he's he's an emerging star? I think that's the thing that that people have to understand. It's easy to throw out lots of names. And I've been telling people, you got to broaden your horizons a little bit because I think most of the easy names, Brad, at the end of the day, aren't going to go anywhere and they're not going to be available. Yeah, that's usually how it works, honestly. Unless, and my kind of party line is always like, if there's a rumor that a guy wants out or there's some reporting that a guy wants out, that's different. That becomes open season. But until right. then, like you're just kind of throwing out names. And it's not inconceivable that one of those guys changes teams. 
but you have to have all the things line up between that guy wanted to change teams, that guy wanted to come to Atlanta, because usually stars have some power about where they go as well in terms of trade. So uh, right. too many dominoes to just kind of guess without um, some intel along the way. I thought it was interesting. One of the things that Nate McMillan said, and even Tony Ressler brought this up in his press conference about the idea of, hey, maybe we have to add a guy that can handle the ball for us and allow Trey to go off ball and work around and things like that. I think that's one of the things that in watching the Miami series, they've got, that's why when I say broaden your horizons, I wouldn't be surprised if it is a top tier point guard or something like that, that can complement Trey in the backcourt to allow him to go off the ball and do more things. For sure. I mean, that was arguably, you could say it was the worst case scenario on offense in that series, because Miami is the perfect team to defend what the Hawks have been doing with Trey young. Not that Trey, Trey was obviously terrible in the series. Everyone knows that I don't worry about Trey, but the heat being able to switch everything uh, made it very obvious that the Hawks did not have another guy to go to. And that kind of uh, made it already big question about the Hawks long-term as in terms of, at least at the highest levels, you kind of need more than one creator. I mean, basically no one can do it by themselves, uh, not even the best of the best of the best. And the Hawks have some guys who can get their own shot, but nobody that's like a legitimate number two perimeter creator. I think they have guys who are number two in terms of like maybe team quality, like John Collins is a really good player. But he's not a single he's not a single creator for himself like for himself and other people he, he finishes plays he's not a play creator for the most part so i think your point is right like you know they have a couple of issues a couple of question marks one of them definitely though is going out and hopefully getting someone that can be that definite number two creator both when trace off the floor and also when he's on the floor and i think that's the thing brad and i and i think i like the term you use i'm going to narrow it down even a little bit more and say they got to have a guy that consistently can score and complement what Trey does because I think we all understand they're not a good defensive team. You know, they're pretty good rebounding, this, that, and the other. I get all that. But in the playoffs, you better have a guy who can go. You got a guy that can go for 2025. You better have another guy that can go for 2025 in the playoffs. And we're seeing that everywhere that this team, as is, it's like, okay, will Bogey, will this be Bogey's night? Will this be Gallinari's night? Will this. It's it's let's hope what if maybe sort of I think it's looking for a guy who night in night out, you know, especially when you get in the playoffs, you feel like, OK, I can start with 55 or 60 points or whatever out of these two guys. We'll figure out the rest from there. Yeah, it would certainly help. And, you know, Bogey has it in him on some level, like you said. I mean, there are nights when he looks like he's going to be that guy, but I'll almost go a step further and say, um, it's not even necessarily a score. I mean, they have to have scoring, but they don't have anybody else on this team right now that can get to the rim. Like all the guys that they have right. that, are, that, are, that are scorers or shooters are perimeter based, like really, you know, Bogdanovich, Herter, uh, even Hunter for the most part. Those guys are all more comfortable shooting jump shots than they are actually going to the rim, being the defense, collapsing the defense. And, um, you know, that's been a, a pretty flagrant thing for me like Trey's the only guy on the roster off the dribble that kind of scares anybody right now and that's uh sort of an even singular uh approach because that that can't be attainable either because if it's just Trey they can load up to him and other guys have to make, have to make plays so we're hearing about you know they're bringing guys in for workouts <laughs> we're in draft mode yeah we got two first round picks can I tell you like I have zero interest in worrying about the draft right now I mean I'd, I'd rather use those for bargaining chips. I just, I don't know. I, it's hard as a Hawks fan right now to really worry about the draft. I think I, I keep talking, Brad. My point is we have to swing that pendulum back to where we were. You know, that pendulum moved toward, okay, is this flukish? We got to get it back to the other side of, hey, we are a contender. 
And I'm sorry, I just I think we're past the point of draft picks and things like that that can really make an immediate impact to help this team. Yeah, it's kind of twofold. Like I, I love the draft. I'll be honest with you about that. It's one of my favorite things. But I'm I've, I'm hearing from people that are kind of like you that are Hawks fans that are not as interested this time around. And I get it because between the combination of they're trying to win now, very obviously, everyone said that they're not rebuilding mode anymore. They're trying to win. And also this last year, Jalen Johnson falls all the way to them, top talented prospect, and then basically doesn't play all year long. And this coaching staff is not one that leans on young guys very much. And also what I say, my one of my uh, sort of catchphrases is rookies are bad because they are. Most rookies, the vast majority of rookies are very bad as rookies. So they're not going to help you right away. So I, I get all that. I think there's still an argument to use that pick on a guy two, three years from now. But at the same time, maybe they'll have a summit for that. Maybe they want to use that pick now in a trade like you referenced, or um, maybe try to aim for a guy who could help you a little bit faster. For me, I'm still best player available generally in the draft, but uh, it would not bother me at all if they were to package that to help them win now. What I wouldn't do is draft for the near future. If you're going to use a pick, use the pick on someone that can help you long-term. I wouldn't just draft like a 22-year-old guy because he might be, able, might be able to help you now. Either trade it for immediate help or still draft the best player. So the other thing Tony Ressler talked about was they're not going to be scared to spend the money and go in the luxury tax. And I get that. And, and you're not going to have much of a choice because you're just about at that, you know, that line right now. I thought it was interesting – and this is no surprise when Jeannie Buss talked about, hey, when you go in the luxury tax, we expect to win. And I've been saying this for weeks that, hey, I'm glad Tony Ressler wants to get in the luxury tax if need be and this and the other. But given the lack of success this year, moving to the luxury tax, which can be a bottomless pit at times, you know, depending on where you're at, how how much pressure now really amps up on Schlenk, Nate McMillan, that we've got to, if we're going to get into the luxury tax, we got to get it done now. Yeah. Wrestler gave a quote, I think it was like a year, maybe two years ago, that was basically, we'll pay the tax if we're going to be a contender. And he kind of walked that back a little bit at, on, during his comments last week. Um, Cause he, I'm not sure he wanted to be painted in the corner like that, but to your point, they're very close to the tax already and they can stay out of it if they want to. Um, and that's kind of my, I'm a skeptic for the most part. I think that he'll pay the tax if he absolutely has to, but generally speaking, they don't love to pay the tax. He's not, he's never paid it, et cetera. Um, but even if they don't pay the tax, it's an expensive roster. Like if you're right up against the tax, you're still paying a lot of money for your roster. And there is a sense of urgency. I think wrestler, and he's admitted this is not the most patient guy in the world. He wants to win. He's a very right. competitive guy. There's going to be some heat on everybody from Tony who, which he which he sort of owned on that press conference to Travis and especially to Nate. I mean, Nate, I, I think he kind of gets a little bit too much hate sometimes, but for the most part, the coach is the first to go if things don't go well. So in, in, in his year two, sort of at the helm, if they have a bad start, it wouldn't stun me if they moved on from Nate. That kind of stuff, like that, that's where they are now where there's no more rebuilding. The pressure is going to just still be on like a nine or a 10 at all times for them now. And if success does not follow – Tony's got sort of an itchy trigger finger. He does not like to play around. So I think that, that the cost, though, does play a factor because if you're spending a lot of money on your roster, you want to compete and you want to fill the seats in the arena and those and sort of winning fill seats and, so, and vice versa. Last thing for you. I, I know fans like to say everybody's available except Trey. I don't believe, though, that they signed John Collins to a $125 million contract to one year later trade him away. I, I, I don't get that sense. You think that they could realistically move him or 
do you think that they still want to build with him and slide a guy that fits in between what Trey and what John Collins is? I think ideally they would really like to keep him, but he's been in rumors for basically two years straight now, pre-contract. Um, now, even, even the deadline this year, right after he signed the contract, he was, he was back in rumors. So it's like, I'm not sure if he's untouchable. I know he's not untouchable. And, and to what you said at the beginning, Trey is the only untouchable guy. I think that there are tiers of, of untouchability. And Collins is one of the guys that you that you want to keep if you can. I think him and Hunter and Akongwu are kind of the guys that they don't really want to trade. I think Collins, though, is going to get a lot of calls. The thing about him being good and being good for now three, four years is that teams know he's good. There's safety in that, and teams will call. But I think long-term, they'd like to keep it if they can. Locked on Hawks every day right here on YouTube and on your favorite podcast platforms. Brad, Brad Rowland is the host of Locked on Hawks. And uh, join me here. You can follow him on Twitter at BT Rowland. As always, Brad, appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for hanging out with me for a few minutes here today. We will be back. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked on Sports Atlanta. Welcome back into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked on Sports Atlanta. Don't forget, head over to YouTube.com. Put Locked on Sports Atlanta in the browser. Find our channel. Subscribe to it. Thank you so much for being a part of our community. Leave us a comment. Tell us what you think about the, the show. Respond to what we say here. And of course, give me a follow on my personal Twitter page. That would be at JMCH316. Well, Kyle Pitts um, is a guy who obviously the unicorn that was drafted last year and now gets to add Drake London uh, as a running mate. And, you know, look, when you look back at Kyle Pitts' season last year, it, it, it was a good season. I'm not going to say it was a great season, but it was a it was a good season. 68 receptions, 1,026 yards, 15 yards per reception. Had a long, uh, his longest pass was 61 um, yards last year. Averaged about 60, just over 60 yards per game. The big stat, of course, is the one touchdown that we'll talk about here in, in just a second. But Drake London in the mix now. Obviously, you don't have Matt Ryan throwing to you. What does Kyle Pitts need to do to get better? Where, what are expectations for Kyle Pitts? One number that really sticks out to me is, if you look last year, his catch percentage is 61.8%. Now, look at some of the other tight ends around the league. Look at Kelsey and Kittle and guys like that. Those guys push up into high 60s, low 70 percentile of catch percentage. So if there's two big things that I think that I can look at with Kyle Pitts, one is his catch percentage. Now, last year, Pitts had 110 targets. Can I tell you, I don't think that number is going to change very much. I mean, this, this you don't have the quarterback, and we've explained all this. You, you know, Matt Ryan throwing it 600 times, Mariota's best year is 450. You don't have a quarterback that throws it all over the yard. You know, that's not what it's not what Marcus Mariota does. And it certainly won't be what Desmond Ritter does if he gets a chance, you know, to play. So if he told me Pitts got 110 targets, I think that's about right. I, I think without a Matt Ryan capable quarterback, I think that that number is about right. And I think that that number holds true year over year. But the first thing that I need for Pitts is he's got to increase that catch percentage. OK, and. Yes, some of that falls on your quarterback in this, that, and the other. But there's no reason why Pitts, in the target that he is, shouldn't be up in the mid to high 60s. You know, 66, 68% catch percentage. What does that mean? That means a whole bunch more receptions. I mean, at the at the end of the day, if you can add another 
five or six percent, you know, and he can make some big impact plays. I think that's the that's the first thing that I look at in, in some of his raw numbers. The other thing is obviously the touchdowns. And look, this has been a bugaboo for the Atlanta Falcons for years now. Not getting enough touchdowns for Julio, not getting enough touchdowns last year from Pitts. If you told me Pitts only stayed, let's say Pitts, for instance, goes up to about 75, 77 catches, and he's only maybe around 1,100 yards. And I say only, but it's around 1,100 yards. I, I would I would much rather live because 15.1 yards per reception is an outstanding number. But if you told me we could bring that number down and he gets more touchdowns to it, I'll take that gladly. I know he's the unicorn and the open field threat and things like that. But if his yards per reception is coming down as his touchdowns are going up, that would make sense, right? Shorter field, this, that, and the other. You're not going to have a whole bunch of 40-yard touchdown catches, right? It's just not realistic in the league, you know? Your touchdown receptions are probably three, five, seven, you know, eight yards, you know, somewhere in that range, less than a first down, right? But that touchdown number has to come up. So I would sacrifice the yards per reception to get more touchdowns. And if his catch percentage can move itself up 67 68%, now his catch, you know, total catches will come up. Now his chance to make big impact plays comes up without having to really change up what his role was even in the offense as far as total number of targets, right? Because I've seen people say, well, you know, maybe 125, 150 targets. Okay, for Marcus Mariota, that means a third of all of his passes are going to one guy. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's realistic, and I don't think they're going to throw the football enough in this offense to make that kind of change. I'm good right at where he is for right now, telling me that he's about 110 targets. Okay. I think that's a realistic number, but if the catch percentage can come up, the touchdowns can come up, even at the sacrifice of yards per reception. Now I think we've got something in Kyle Pitts and look, he has to be a bigger threat in the red zone. And there were times last year, this was frustrating and maddening where you didn't see him on the field early in the year in some of our red zone or short, you know, goal line types of situations that he wasn't on the field. And, you know, they had all the excuses in the world about why it happened or this, that, and the other. But also remember, too, is that, look, say what you will about training camp, preseason, this, that, and the other. There is going to be a learning curve with having a brand new quarterback and getting him in the offense. And not just the quarterback receiver relationship, but you have a guy that is not a high percentage thrower and he's not a guy who throws it a lot. I mean, that's the reality of Marcus Mariota. That's, that's why I keep going back to our offensive identity because you have changed up and it's not like you brought a guy in to play quarterback whose mantra is stand back and shotgun and throw it all over the field. It's not what he does. Yeah, he can run. He can do some things. He's more mobile than Matt, but he doesn't throw it like Matt, and he doesn't complete at the percentage that Matt did. And and so there is going to be that learning curve, new guy, and this, that, and the other. But I just I've got to get more touchdowns out of Kyle Pitts. And, and I think if you told me that that number goes up, even if I have to sacrifice his yards, um, you know, if if he only stayed about the same get my catch percentage up, 
get my total catches up and get my touchdowns up. I can live with that. And this will be interesting in Arthur Smith's offense in year two, how they change up Kyle Pitts. I'm not going to tell you that he's going to split out wide and he's going to be a number two wide receiver and he's going to run all over the field. He's still going to play some in line. He may not, he may not put his hand in the dirt and, in you know, come off the edge like a traditional tight end. He'll split out and do some things and play in the slot and this and the other. But I'm not thinking that he's going to spend a lot of time. He's going to split out wide and he's going to be like a number two wide receiver. I just don't don't see that happening. I think it's London. I think it's Tate. I think they'll give those guys the first shot. Maybe Zacchaeus, you know, is the other, you know, is the number two guy. But that number two battle will be and Pitts will line up slots, spread out a little bit. He'll do a lot of different things. And I'm excited to see what Arthur Smith now with a year under his belt can do. But you're going to have to get over that learning curve of quarterback receiver relationship and just the fact that Mariota's not a guy who hucks it all over the field. You know, in a heavy, heavy, heavy passing league, he's not a guy who traditionally stands back there and hucks it all over the place. So I'm I'm going to be watching the catch percentage. I'm going to be watching the targets because I think that that number is pretty much in line year over year of where he'll be. Tell me that he catches more passes in this offense. His yards per reception comes down. His touchdowns go up. I think Kyle Pitts can be a real breakout star and, you know, really even build off of what last year was. All right. We uh, thank you so much for being part uh, of the show. And I uh, want to remind you, we thank you for making us your first listen. But ATL Day Ones, we want to make that your second listen. Jarvis Davis, Tanitra Batiste talking about the, you know, speaking of the heart of the city of Atlanta. Bulldogs, Falcons, Braves, you know, Hawks, everything that you could want, you know, here, be a part of the conversation. ATL Day Ones is also part of our Locked On Sports Atlanta network and, of course, free and available on YouTube and anywhere you get your podcast platform. So we'll talk about the Falcons schedule tomorrow. It is schedule release day, and uh, we'll go through and see kind of, you know, how it looks for the Falcons and how difficult, how this, that, and the other. So we'll talk about all of that and more tomorrow. It's been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta.